Welcome to our midweek Bible study. We're looking forward to us spending some time together in God's Word and trust that you're having a good week. Uh, obviously, we are looking forward to the day when we can uh, be able to assemble together and looks like that's going to be happening uh, fairly soon. We'll make some announcements about that. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel tonight, so please take your Bible, find your Bible, and be turning to 1 Samuel chapter 10. And we're going to look at uh, a very important event uh, in the life of King Saul, the first king of Israel, and one particular thing having to do with what eventually led to his being disqualified uh, to a very important post, of course, as I said, the first king of Israel. As I think about it, I think that one of the things that he uh, struggled with is something that all of us struggle with, uh, maybe to a different a degree, but when we think about what would it be that would disqualify a person uh, from serving the Lord in a in a post or a position that God Himself uh, had put uh, Saul in, and we we could think of a lot of major issues in people's lives, character flaws, uh, sinful behavior, things of that nature, immoral conduct, all those kinds of things. But in reality, uh, the thing we're going to look at in Saul's life and the thing that uh, really stands out to me that we all have a tendency to struggle with, and it has to do with his patience, his lack of patience. And we're going to talk about faith, but one particular aspect of faith, and that is this, faith is willing to wait on God. And if I was titling our lesson tonight, that would be the title of it, Faith is Willing to Wait on God. Now, if we look at 1 Samuel chapter 10, just to kind of introduce ourselves or refresh our memory about Saul, uh, in verse 1, we have the record of Samuel uh, who anointed him uh, to be the king. Verse 1 of chapter 10, uh, the Bible says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance. So this was Saul's official beginning really in that position. And then if you look uh, in verse eight, uh, Samuel is giving Saul uh, some um, instructions. Look in verse eight of First Samuel chapter 10. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal. Just think about the simplicity of this instruction, but the details are important. He would go before, uh, Saul would go before Samuel. Yahweh shall go down before me to a place, Gilgal. And behold, I will come down unto thee. I will join thee there, join you there. And what would he do? He would offer, Samuel would offer burnt offerings and to uh, sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee. So I want you to, Wait for me for seven days, stay till I come to thee, and show thee what thou shalt do. So all these instructions are uh, embedded in this one verse. Saul would precede Samuel. Samuel would come to Saul. Saul would wait uh, seven days. Samuel would offer sacrifices and, and give him further instructions. So with that in mind, let's turn in our Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 13. And we're just going to go through verses, and we're going to 
just highlight or kind of summarize what's in these verses so we are all on board with what's taking place. And then, of course, at the end, as we've been doing on Wednesday nights, we're going to furnish you some uh, uh, some questions to consider, to discuss um, there in your family or if you have some friends with you, whatever it may be. We want to discuss these uh, questions. There'll be time given to that. But let's just go through these verses together. First Samuel chapter 13 and look in verse uh, 4. Um, it says that all Israel heard that Saul had smitten a garrison of the Philistines and that Israel also was had in abomination with the Philistines and the people were, excuse me for having to can't read uh, well with these glasses on, have a hard enough time reading without them on or with them on either one, but I can see better without them on close up. Uh, and the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal. So the people are at Gilgal. And um, so that's, that's kind of, we're setting the stage for what Samuel said would take place. And look in verse five, it says, and the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen this is the Philistine army, and people as sand, which is on the seashore in multitude, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and innumerable people, uh, the multitude. And they came up and pitched in Michmash eastward from Beth Haven. So we have this Philistine army's gathering, <coughs> and um, they're there outside of Gilgal in Michmash. Verse six, it says, when the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait. The men of Israel are seeing what is transpiring. It says, um, for the people were distressed. Then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. So the, the Philistine army's gathering, the men of Israel are nervous, they're getting afraid, they're hiding themselves in caves and thickets and and verse 7 says, some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilgal. So some of God's people actually went across the Jordan River to the east. Uh, and as for Saul, it says in verse 7, he was yet in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. So some people are hiding in caves. Some people are running. Some people went across the Jordan River eastward. But those who remained with Saul in Gilgal, they followed him. Last part of verse 7. They followed him trembling. Now, look in verse 8. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. So we see now what Samuel had said in chapter 10 actually in real time. Uh, he's waiting. He's waited seven days according to the time. He knew this was how long he was supposed to wait. Verse 8. And he saw tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So what is taking place? The people are getting nervous. Uh, seven days, he's watching his calendar, seven days have transpired, and the people in verse 8 are beginning to scatter from him. Now look in verse 9. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. 
So they were doing, they were while making this offering, it was, you could call it essential or needful or advisable to have a, this, this uh, religious exercise because they're about to go to war. So the fact that there was a burnt offering being offered was not wrong, but it was not Saul's responsibility. It was, what, it was not what Samuel had instructed Saul to do. So in verse 9, he offered the burnt offering. Now look in verse 10. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering. Notice that. The, at the very time, as soon as he had completed this action of offering this burnt offering, behold, verse 10 says, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. So Samuel immediately arrived. Saul goes out to greet him, salute him, last few words of verse 10. And so what, in a sense, it tells me is when Saul went out to greet Samuel, it, was, it doesn't appear that he was ashamed of what he's done. He doesn't appear that he was recognizing that he had acted uh, in an inadvisable way. And uh, by the way, this is not the only time Saul had this happen to him, Saul the king of Israel. And I don't want to distract us by this, but it's, it's relevant, it's certainly pertinent. Because in another place, Samuel ordered Saul, this is later on in the, in the chapter here in the book of 1 Samuel, uh, to smite the Amalekites and to spare nothing. In other words, to completely uh, annihilate them, completely wipe them out. And that was Samuel's clear instruction from God to Saul. What did Saul do there? He spared the best of the flock. He spared Agag the king. And God called that disobedience, rebellion, and stubbornness. So this is a, this is a reoccurring problem in Saul's life. So in verse uh, 10, when Samuel came... Uh, and Saul went out to greet him. Look in verse 11. And Samuel said to Saul, What hast thou done? I want an explanation. Explain to me what your behavior means. And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me. I want to emphasize those two words, I saw, because I think they're so relevant. I saw the people were scattered from me. I watched people leaving me. I watched people begin to be discouraged and high in fear. And another thing he saw, that thou camest not within the days appointed. Now, he, it was the seventh day. It, it just wasn't the end of the seventh day. He waited seven days, but he waited. He didn't wait long enough because, it, because at that same time, we don't know exactly where or how, but that same time Saul was, or Samuel was almost there. And, say, and so he says, I, I saw that the people were scattered from me in verse 11, and, and that thou camest not with the days appointed. And a third thing he saw, that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Migmash. I watched all these things happening. I'm watching our people flee. I'm watching, the, I'm watching my clock. You're not there yet. I'm watching as the enemy is getting stronger and they're assembling it together. Verse 12, therefore said I, this is Saul speaking, the Philistines will come down upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I need to, I need to seek the Lord. I need to, I need to, I need to um, offer these sacrifices. So verse 12 says, I force myself there, therefore, excuse me, I force myself, therefore, 
and offered a burnt offering. And so what Saul was seeing caused him to panic. He said, I forced myself. I did something that, you know, we don't know everything he meant by that, but part of the thing I think he meant by that was I, I knew what I was doing wasn't what I was been told to do. I knew what I was doing wasn't really right, but I, but I felt like I needed to make this burnt offering, and so, so I forced myself. Now, what was the consequences of this? Look in verse 13 and 14. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. If you'd have done the right thing, Saul, if you'd have obeyed what I said, what you did was foolish. What you did was disobedient. You haven't kept the Lord's commandment. And if you would have, the Lord would have established your kingdom upon you. But now look in verse 14, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. And that's a, that's a statement from the man of God to the king. Your kingdom is going to discontinue. Now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And we know who that man would be, of course. David would be the next king of Israel after Saul. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Of course, this was not a surprise to God. This was not a surprise uh, to Samuel, because God let Samuel know that this was going to take place. This was going to transpire. But how could, let's just think about this. How could Saul's error have been avoided? Two things. Number one, by waiting on God. By waiting, being patient. And the second one, by completely obeying the Lord. By waiting on God and by completely obeying the Lord. Now, that's, that's really the point that I want to make. Now, um, faith is willing to wait on God. This is an aspect of faith that I want just to concentrate on for a little while tonight and just kind of personalize this. Make it, make it something that we can relate to. Saul failed to, dis, to obey clear instructions that came to him from the Lord. He was to wait till Samuel came. He would, he would get further instructions. Samuel would offer these sacrifices. And all these details, all these details matter. You know, I, I'm thinking about the way we are sometimes. I know the way I have been and am sometimes. And that is, we hear someone give us instruction, but we don't pay attention to all the details. You know, we may focus on certain part of it, but we don't, we don't take every part of it into, into our heart or consideration. And it's a reminder of a simple thing we've heard many times in our life, and it's worth repeating, and that is partial obedience is not the same as complete obedience. Just doing something, if you were to say to your children, I want you to gather up all the trash in the house and, and I want you to take it, uh, put it in the trash can, take the trash can out to the street and the trash man's coming tomorrow to pick up the trash. And they gather it up and they put it in the can, but they leave the can in the garage. And in their mind, they're thinking, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. But that last detail was pretty important because if it's not taken out to the street, the, 
the sanitation people coming won't take that. So the point is, you know, partial obedience is not the same as complete obedience. And we have this tendency, if we'd be honest about it, to to leave off details or disregard things that we may think are unimportant. But to God, they may be very important. And so what caused Saul to panic? Because he, what he was seeing, what he was seeing caused him to panic. And again, this is not uncommon. This is not something just unique to him. And uh, we could think about a clear example to me is Abraham and Sarah, who had been given clear commandment of the Lord. God's going to bless you with a child. This child will have a very special place in um, the world, really. And yet, you know, they were getting older. They couldn't see themselves having children. It seemed impossible to happen, so they took things into their own hands. They took when they took matters into their own hands. There was there were consequences. When Saul took matters into his own hand, there were consequences. Faith does not give God a deadline. You know, I think we have probably can see maybe not a specific time, but we know in a general way that there have been times that we felt like because God was not answering as soon as we wanted him to, that we needed to take things in our own hand. We need to make sure that it gets done. That's exactly what Saul did. And uh, sometimes, you know, we're praying for something. We're asking God to meet a particular need, asking God to do a certain thing. And because God is not answering as quickly as we want him to, we feel like we have to take things in our own hand. I've seen this happen to people in the ministry where they were praying for a ministry to open up. They wanted God to give them this place of ministry. And because God didn't open up a ministry, they just began to do things to what they thought would be right, acceptable, maybe proper to do. And we see this kinds of things. We're praying for a need. We're asking God to bring it in. God doesn't bring it in. So we step out in our own. We make something happen. And afterwards, we regret it. Just like I'm sure you know that Saul regretted what he had done. We've seen this in so many different ways. If we think about it, Maybe you were waiting on God to work in somebody's heart. Maybe you were waiting on God to open up a job opportunity. Uh, people, Young people are waiting on God to provide the spouse that he wants them to have, the marriage partner that he's wants them to have. All these things, we're waiting on something to happen, and because it doesn't happen, then we lose hope or we lose confidence and we step out on our own. Sometimes the hardest part of faith is acting. It's doing what we know we ought to do. But sometimes the hardest part of faith is waiting. Waiting on God is a matter of faith. Waiting on God requires self-discipline to keep our emotions in check. Waiting on God resists the temptation to act impulsively. And this was one of the things that we see in Saul, the first king of Israel, is he did that. He wait, He acted impulsively. And it just seems to be a part of our nature, at least most of us, that when we're waiting on something to happen, it's like the clock seems to tick slower. It's like it almost stands still. There's supposed to be a package coming today or, or you know, when is that coffee ever going to be brewed or, or, you know, those last few days or maybe weeks before a child is born and just waiting for 
the birth of that child. It just seems like time moves so slowly and waiting is not an easy thing to do. And it's very common, I think, if we could see it, that we react to circumstances because of what we see, because of what we think, because of what we feel through impatience and fear rather than trusting in the Lord. And um, I just want to just, I'm looking at my, uh, some verses here on my computer. Um, and I just want to just read off some verses that have to do with this subject from the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 27 and verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. In Psalm 37, he says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. In chapter 37 of Psalm and verse 9, it says, Those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. The same chapter, Psalm 37. This is the third verse from Psalm 37 that I've read. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. In Psalm 123, it says, Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their master, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. In Psalm 130, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Proverbs 20 says, Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. That very, very familiar passage in Isaiah 40, But they that wait on the Lord, those that wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We're to wait on the Lord. In Lamentations, it says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. Now I read these verses not to say that waiting is all we're to do. Sometimes we need to act. Sometimes we need to step out. Sometimes we need to obey. Um, waiting is not the same as procrastinating. Waiting is not the same as, as putting things off or be acting in fear. Waiting is trusting the Lord and obeying the Lord trusting God to work and letting him work. I mean, when you look at what God uh, said through Samuel to Saul, the details were very significant. Wait till I get there. Wait for seven days. Wait until I come that I can offer the sacrifices when I come, I will give you further instructions. And that's another thing we see more than once in the Bible is, is God doesn't tell us everything we need to know at the beginning. He said, you do this, and then I'll be there later, and I'll give you further instructions. So here's a lesson for us to think about uh, this evening, and that is faith. Faith is willing to wait on God. And maybe tonight, maybe while you're going through this, your lesson, you're thinking, you know, here's an issue where I, maybe you're thinking here's an issue where I missed the Lord because I wasn't willing to wait. I acted impulsively. I took things into my own hand. And if that's the case, we need to acknowledge that and confess that, learn from it, learn a lesson, claim God's forgiveness. Perhaps you're in a place right now that you're struggling 
and you're feeling like time is running out, but you feel like God is giving you a direction and yet you're, you're uh, not waiting on the Lord, just be reminded to wait on the Lord. You know, during this time of uh, self-quarantine or uh, being shut down, not being able to tr travel or visit or be at church, certainly as much as we want to be, we can get impatient. I want it to come to pass also. But let's just make sure that we're just letting God lead, letting God direct, waiting on the Lord. Faith is learning to wait upon the Lord. And maybe you've not even can't relate to anything in this your life right now, but maybe someday you will. Let's just kind of ask God to help us to remember this, to keep it in our mind, keep it in our heart. We're going to we're going to have prayer in a moment, and we're going to have our um, discussion questions. Let's think through these questions, talk about them. Let's let's let faith have its perfect work in us, and let's by faith say, "I'm gonna." I'm going to let God direct, and I'm going to follow His leading, and I'm, I'm going to, by the grace of God, I'm not going to be impulsive or impatient or act uh, ahead of what the Lord has for us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you this evening for your word. God, we thank you for the fact that the Spirit of God takes the word of God and teaches us, helps us learn, helps us to grow. We want to mix faith with the Word of God. We want to apply it to our own life. So I pray that you'd help us to do that. Help us, O oh God, to not panic, not act out of fear, not let the circumstances, what we see, cause us to act in a way that would not be advisable. Lord, we don't want to miss what you have for us. We think about how this very thing we're talking about, resulted in Saul's being disqualified because he couldn't follow instructions, wouldn't wait on you. And Father, if it was so important in Saul's life, we believe that it must be important in our life as well. And so we pray that you'd help us to um, not only rightly divide the word of truth, but that we might be more than hearers, but doers of the word of God. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I thank you for uh, being a part of the Bible study. encourage you to take part in this discussion, these lessons, and uh, we'll grow in grace together. God bless you.